Sunny 16 presents. Welcome to episode 33 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting, brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 Podcast. My name is Jeff Greenstein. And my name is Gabe Sachs, and I can't believe you've just said 33. How is it possible? It's incredible. I don't understand how we've reached this summit. No, it's great. It's bizarre. What are your thoughts on achieving this extraordinary accomplishment? Well, it's emotional, and I don't feel that our audience needs us to be crying, <laughs> and they have to hear that. So I'm not going to cry, but just think of us crying right now. That's it. We're very emotional. 33, that is as long as Jesus lived. Wait, are you going to ask me what happened 33 years ago? Is that uh, what was going to happen? I mean, I was trying to sort of tee you up with the Jesus <laughs> thing, but you can come at it any way you want. <laughs> Well, I will tell you this. One interesting thing is the Canon EOS One film camera was released 33 years ago in 1989. That's a great I thought that was very, very exciting. But also, in contrast to that camera that was so great, the Nishika N8000, that crazy 3D camera. Oh, yeah, yeah, with with all the lenses. It was like really cheap and crazy. And now it's like a hot thing. Now everyone wants this camera. So that came out in 1989. And I will say that, you know, to bring you down an emotional memory lane, one oh, of your okay. favorite songs, Girl, You Know It's True by Millie Vanilli came out. Sure. And did very well in 1989. Came out, in, I think, in 88, but did was really soaring in 1989. <laughs> and, I, and I know it's emotional for you, but I wanted to bring that up. You know what else happened in 1989? I do not. I got my first staff job on a TV show. That's fantastic. That's so cool. I was on the cusp of leaving the city of Los Angeles. Because at that point, I had been here five years. Oh, wow. Working at a Japanese insurance company and transcribing loss reports for insurance adjusters. And by the end of 1989, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna move back to Boston. I'm gonna work at a public television station and I'm gonna rethink my entire life. Oh, wow, that's, 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 that's something. You didn't, thankfully. But then in December of 89, actually my agent was on vacation. I don't know if I've ever told you this story. <laughs> no. My agent was on a golf vacation. Right. So his assistant <laughs> got a call from this HBO series, Dream On. Oh, wow and booked a meeting for Jeff Strauss and me, and we went to an apartment building on Riverside Drive in North Hollywood. Fantastic. And interviewed with David Crane and Marta Kaufman, who were brand new in LA, and we got hired. And that was the dawning of my TV career. So 89 is an exquisitely important year to me. Wow, that is that is amazing. We have a blockbuster show today. So far. Oh my God. I mean, we have a blockbuster mailbag. And then in the back half of today's show, we have an interview with a woman whose name I've been practicing pronouncing. <laughs> Fantastic. Are you ready? Here we go. Valentine de Villeneuve. Très bien. Marvillot. Don't make me Fantastique. say it twice. Oh, don't make me say it twice. I really worked on that. She is oh. a brilliant young photographer, French, as you might guess, based in Dublin, Ireland. <laughs> a lot of advanced accent work in this episode. Yes, yes. Really great street photographer. It's a great conversation. We are excited to bring that to you. But first, what's going to happen? A prodigious 
Greg. Okay. <laughs> First up, Arun Venkatasan wrote. <laughs> I really hope I got that right. Hey, folks, I've been a longtime listener, one of the few podcasts I instantly listened to. Love he loved that. our recent mentions of the Nikonos camera, which I am going to talk about in a little bit. He says he too has a similar story with overlooked cameras. He brings up the Leica CL. Now, uh -huh. I have a little bit of a vendetta about this camera because I don't like cameras that are named after cameras. <laughs> but he says the Leica CL from 2017 has an APS-C sensor and a fantastic, albeit small, selection of glass. Very fun to shoot with all the hallmarks of a modern Leica. He recently found a seller on eBay having a hard time selling their barely used body and lens. He snapped it up. Fantastic. He said there is a big benefit to looking just to the side of whatever is popular at any given moment. You'll not just save money, but be rewarded with a unique shooting experience. Thank you, Arun. Great advice. By the way, Leica just discontinued the CL, like yes. last week. So that is a hot tip. Notice, I haven't said anything about how this is a digital camera. Did you notice that? Mm-hmm. Okay, on we go. Yep, well done. Alan Perez said... In response to our question, what camera do you like to bring for travel? Alan said, at this stage in my life, I would take my Olympus XA and lots of black and white film. I would use my iPhone for color photos, which are more remembrances or historical record rather than trying to be artistic. He said, I learned my dragging my camera bag around lessons earlier in life when his wife and he were on their honeymoon in Spain. He brought a Canon FTB and lenses and gear, but he said it was like a third person on the trip. He said, my <laughs> wife still mentions the restaurant visit when someone knocked over a glass of water. I immediately went to take care of the photo bag rather than her. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Never make that mistake. No, no, no. Not good. Have you ever made that mistake, Gabe, of taking care of a loved one second, but the camera first? I can't recall, but I'm sure I have. I'm sure a camera was about to fall and the other person or a date was about to fall. Yeah. And I probably yeah. dove for the camera, sadly. I have probably made that mistake as well. Yeah. Excellent advice, Alan. It is amazing that your infant marriage survived that, but <laughs> good on you. Next good. up, hey, you know who's up next? Our no. friend, John Michael Mendiza. Love my John. We know him now. Who A listener who took the trouble to come meet us in person. Here's what he says. Dear Gabe and Jeff, mixing up the name order there. Hmm. I don't know why, but it seems like the order is more often Jeff and Gabe. I don't know why that is. So there. He said, here is some high praise. Now, you know, Gabe, but you know how I don't usually do this. I don't usually let people know, praise us. But John Michael is an exception. He says, yours is the only podcast where I will interrupt whatever else I may be listening to midstream and switch to I Dream of Cameras. Oh, that's awesome. He says he was about to ask, where's the new episode? But then he realized, he found out you were sick. Blah, blah. Anyway, he says, on to the feedback, travel cameras. He says he doesn't have a fixed travel setup, but he has found a good philosophy for how to choose. He huh. says, I tend to take a 35 millimeter SLR, like a Spotmatic F or the A1, the Canon A1 that he brought to California, that can share lenses with his Sony Digital, 
and then some sort of small fixed lens camera for a second film option. Some of his previous choices for that second category were the Beltica 35mm folding camera. I don't know that one. Minolta hmm. Hymatic 7S2 and the not quite a full cookie Taxona with its 24 by 24 millimeter frame. Smart, right? Right. That sort of echoes your strategy about bringing a Leica digital and a Leica film body, right? Yes, totally. I would never do that. Oh. But again, we've established that I'm like a one-camera boy. I definitely, I mean, this camera back here, can you see it? Yes, I, don't know I if you can. can see it. My Olympus Pen F Digital, I don't know if it's ever left the house. <laughs> oh my goodness. I know, it's really terrible. It's terrible. Okay. He says, on to the main reason I feel compelled to write in copy stands. Okay, I'm going to post a link to this object that John Michael Mendeza bought. He basically bought a camera rail that you would typically attach to a tripod, okay, oh, with a little roller. Oh, the yeah. make of the one that he used is called Kulehauda, K-O-O-L-E-H-A-O-D-A. Oh, professional rail nodal slide metal <laughs> quick release clamp nice for the arca swiss basically this is like a it's got exactly what my copy stand has on it it's got a little up and down thing and he bolted his to the wall very smart this object that he pointed to will link to it 35 bucks wow bolted it to the wall and you have a perfectly functional copy stand of course you need a wall to bolt the thing like to it. but that is a very bright idea thank you john michael and he shows some pictures of his setup which are very crisp and clean and cool what is your copy stand thing again what do you use for that i forget what did you say i use the exact same copy stand you do what it's the durstep 30 yep durstep wow. 30 was my first uh enlarger and i still had it it was in the basement wow. and i found it and i was very excited and i love it wow okay all right anyway great tip john michael as i said we'll link to this device on we go hey guess what uh-oh what rolf tessum wrote in who's that? about box speed rolf <laughs> tessum our old friend he's like the third beetle he is okay. the third beetle <laughs> <laughs> all right Rolf says, regarding box speed, the definition of ASA was changed in 1960 to eliminate the safety factor that had previously been applied to reduce underexposure errors. Interesting. And he talks about this. He says a major revision with ASA PH 2.5-1960, when the method to determine film speed was refined and previously applied safety factors against underexposure were abandoned, effectively doubling the nominal speed of many but i had no idea about any of this. Uh, none of this for example ilford hp3 yes. that had been rated at 200 asa before 1960 was labeled 400 afterwards without oh, any my. change to the emulsion same thing happened to triax very interesting That's so cool so he says box speed is not necessarily as sacred as one might think very interesting on we go dylan bauman writes about ectochrome Okay, he says, I am currently listening to episode 32. And when I heard that Rolf Tessum was scheming to bulk load Ektachrome, I knew I had to write in. When Kodak re-released Ektachrome in 35 millimeter, I was just beginning my journey into analog photography. He says, uh, I was developing my own black and white. And not long after, I was doing my own C41 as well. The next obvious challenge was E6. And with Ektachrome coming back, it was my perfect 
victim. He bought a few roles, shot them, developed, but when he pulled the film out of the tank and held it up to the light, his adoration for slide film began. Wow. He tried Fuji's offerings, but his heart belonged to Ektachrome. While watching an analog resurgence video, I was informed that Kodak offered Ektachrome in Super 8 as well. Wow. I instantly paused the video, went to B&H, because I assumed they also offered it in 16 and 35, which meant it could be easily bulk loaded, which is what he did. Wow. He had to talk to a customer service person at Kodak, <laughs> go up the chain of command. Uh, I mean, it was amazing. So he says, so when I saw that Euphoria season two had been partially shot on Ektachrome, I got pretty excited. But I, so he's in the same position as Rolf. He didn't necessarily have a plan for the respooling process. He was just going to go in the dark bag with a hundred foot bulk core and the 400 foot roll and hope for the best. But at least I know what tool I'm looking for. Thanks to Rolf. Interesting, wow. huh? So listen, gang, if any of you has success with this idea of knocking down 400-foot rolls to 100, let us know. On we go. Hey, guess what? What? Trev Lee. Oh, boy. We love Trev. Do you want to talk about what's happening with the Trev of it all, or should we just move forward in an, an aura of mystery? I think we move forward in an aura of mystery. All right. Let's just say <laughs> Trev is very important to us. Okay. Yes, he says... Yes, yes. Gabe and Jeff, listening to episode 32, and you guys are talking about the best travel camera. He says, I typically bring only what can fit into his small peak design everyday carry sling bag, which usually consists of his FM3A with the Ultron 40, color filters for his black and white film, a point and shoot for color, a photo memo book, and a second lens, which is usually the Nocton 58. That's a lot. Do you bring filters, Gabe, no, when you go I, out on a I literally, shoot? I'm always asking Trev about these filters because I would love to, you know, get these contrasty portraits that I love so much. And I know that he uses filters, so he's experimenting with them. So I'm sure I will hear soon. Wow. Interesting. I I can't remember the last time I brought a filter when I wasn't shooting something like infrared that required it. I would never think to do that. Right. That's fabulous. He says, in regards to riding a bike with a camera. He prefers the Canon Rebel T2 with the 40 millimeter pancake, which is a very small and light setup. He says for riding, he slings it over his back and uses a carabiner to hook it in place. Oh, wow. And when it comes to backpacking, I use a carabiner to hook the strap to the top of my pack. Interesting, right? Very interesting. I How love about that? that? Then he says, regarding printing, film scans are great, but prints are on another level. Have either of you got black and white prints on the darkroom's silver gelatin paper. Have you ever done that? I have never done that, but I am about to. There's a few things that I'm going to get done, and, and I definitely want to make some prints there very soon. Yeah, I want to do that too. I, I really feel like... I did that once. I think I've talked about this. I had a picture from the Alpa printed at a photo lab, and it was so great, the texture of a real silver gelatin print. So that is great. And then he talks about doing a print swap, and we're going to get further into that down the line. Next up, Rolf Tessum. Here's what his travel camera is. He sent a picture. This is hilarious. He sent a picture of a Nikon F with like a 1,200 millimeter lens on That's hysterical. But no, he said his actual travel camera, guess what it is? Oh, the M6 with either a 35 or a 50. Yeah, I'm with him on that. Yeah, that's yours as well. Yep. Okay. Krister Brandt wrote in and said, 
since you're not going to read this out, I'm going to keep it short. Love the show. He said, first of all, I have the camera that will end the half-frame debate once and for all. Curious? Uh-oh. Let me present, he says, the Konica Auto-Reflex. Hmm. Also known as the Auto Rex and Review on the German market, a fully mechanical SLR that can, are you sitting down, switch between half and full frame mid-roll. Oh, Christer, that's cool. I had this camera! You did? Yes! And let me tell you something. Not only is this a cool camera, with, yes, the ability to switch on the fly between full frame and half frame, I believe it is the first SLR with automatic exposure that's what it is it's the first automatic exposure slr you set the shutter speed it sets the aperture i'm probably screwing this up it is the first something okay but here's the thing (laughs) i'll settle for that the amount of effort it requires to depress the shutter is so titanic that i got it's it is the throw of the thing is like a (laughs) plunger it's like immense because I guess in order to trigger the linkages that make the automatic exposure work, it's just got a lot of finger power required. (laughs) So I gave mine to my brother, Steven. Oh, there you go. But they are super cool. They are super cool. And those Konica Hexanon lenses are nice. Thank you for the tip, Krister. I know this camera. Any other auto reflex shooters out there, that is a good camera. Finally, he says, travel gear. Man, is this a hard one. He says, totally depends on the company and goal with the trip. Photography trip with other photographers or your own thing. He says, I bring the X-Pan with the 45 and 90. You know you want one, Jeff. (laughs) The Hasselblad 503CX with the 60 and the 150. The Contax Aria with Zeiss 3550 and 85. Hoga, of course, and probably a pinhole camera. Wow. He said, vacation with the girlfriend, he'd bring the Lomography Bel Air medium format 6x6, 9 or 12 with optional 35mm back, Holga, pinhole, and the contacts for everyday walk-around shooting. These giant, like, bundles of kit. Yeah. I I can't believe it. I can't believe it. But then you do, you brought eight cameras on a shoot the other day. What are you saying? I'm just, I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) Mark Beadle writes, gents. Mark from good old England. I, no. <laughs> oh, no. Wait a minute. That's not even English. No. I was Sorry. I was doing my generic. No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Mark from good old England here. Long time listener, but popping my email cherry. I recently picked up a beautiful little black Pentax MX paired with the 40 millimeter 2.8 pancake. He says, now I've been shooting Nikon FM tube for a good while now, but after taking this little number for a test drive, I'm finding that although somewhat basic in comparison, it's a stellar performer. It led to a purchase of another black MX because I do subscribe to the Gabe school of thought. What if one breaks? Exactly. He even decided to pick up an ME super. Because let's face it, it's nice to detach yourself from the technical side sometimes. So he is all in on these compact Pentaxes. He says, Arg, I can't believe I like a Pentax other than the legendary Spotmatic. He attaches a picture of his rig, which is beautiful, and some pictures. Mark, phenomenal. Now you had, I believe you said that a Pentax M was one of your first SLRs. Am I right about that? Yes, it was. Pentax M. Do you ever shoot? Do you ever shoot those guys anymore? No, I think that um, I don't have one anymore, but I think the closest in feel as in is the OM-1. Like this is this holding a camera like that, that just sort of 
I just love the OM1 so much that I, I don't think I'm going to go back and get a Pentax ME. I see. Okay. All right. Well, I still love, you know, I have the ME Super and I right. also have the MF, right. which nobody else has. Uh, the half frame right. version of the ME Super. Why? Uh, but uh, yes, excellent tip. Okay. Here's what we're going to do, gang. We are halfway through a prodigious mailbag. Notice I did not pause for the music cue that time. <laughs> but I want to have time for a little bit of catch up before we dive into the interview. So I'm going to aggregate three of these emails into one topic that I wanted to discuss. Perfect. Okay. Paul Friday checks in about the Nikonos. This is one of the things I wanted to talk about. He says, right. now then, chaps, I agree that the Nikonos 35mm lens is terrific. He says the best bodies are the V if you want some automation or right. the three to get less weight. I have the three. But he says, check that 28mm f3.5 lens you bought. It might be underwater only. <gasps> the 35 and the 80 were amphibious, and I think they made a splash-proof 28. The other lenses were corrected to work in water, so it won't wow. focus properly in air. That's crazy. Sure enough, I looked at the front element of this 28, and it is concave. And oh. I did a little bit of research online, and it turns out that I don't quite understand this, okay? When it is immersed in water, the water, because of its magnifying qualities, serves as a kind of front element for the lens. So this is calibrated for underwater focus, but in air it will be off. Now, I am going to shoot anyway yes, to see what it looks like, but good tip. Other people chimed in on the Nikonos. Derek Street wrote in and said, first off, congrats for both of you for falling for the Canon Multitele. Excellent. <laughs> he says, after listening to your last podcast, I was intrigued Jeff picked up the 28 because I was under the impression it was underwater. Okay, so here's what he says. He sends me a little glimpse of the manual, oh which says, works in, he says, the 35 works in air and underwater. The 80 normally used underwater the 28 underwater only but gives acceptable results in air so guys here's what i'm saying first of all i bought the 80 we're going to talk about that in a second and second stay tuned because i'm going to check out what happens when you shoot this 28 above water the final email we got about the nikonos was from andrew sowerby who says my ears perked up when Jeff rhapsodized about the Nikonos 35mm lens, I am the proud owner of a Nikonos 5 with the 35 2.5. And he says, make sure the seals are intact, etc. He sent the most amazing picture of, I guess, his baby in water? This little baby foot underwater? So oh. good. So here's the thing I want to reiterate. Okay, Gabe gave me this camera. We've talked about this. Why not... Look into these Nikonos cameras. You could put together an entire Nikonos system, the body and three lenses, for $150. That's unheard of. It is insane. I had been, I bookmarked on eBay a Nikonos 2 that was being sold for $55. I got an email from the seller, this with the 35 lens. Right. The seller sent me an email this, this morning offering to sell it to me for $45. You're kidding. 40 Five for the 35 2.5, which as I've said is identical to the 35 2.5 on the Nikon rangefinders and a body. If you want a meterless Nikon, guys, why would you not do this? It's cool looking. There's a whole lens system, and they are dirt, dirt cheap. Yeah, that's spectacular. That's that should be a definite buy. 
Yeah, so that's what I wanted to rhapsodize about. Okay, Gabe, we have time to cover one more thing Go right before yes. we dive in. I throw it to you. Anything else you want to well, chat about I, before I, we... Look, I just posted about this today, but I will tell you that I went to a garage sale and I couldn't find any cameras. I found a couple things, just the random stuff. And then I go to check out and, and then behind the person who's checking people out, I see... This lovely Olympus Infinity Junior. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was $5. So I was very excited. And it works perfectly. And I'm going to shoot with it. I loaded film. And we will see what happens. I'm very excited. This is a... Not a zoom. Not a zoom? Not a zoom. So fixed lens, point and shoot, onboard flash, autofocus. It's so cute. I oh, love Infinity it. Junior. I want to hear about other people's favorite point and shoots that are not... The T4. We want to hear about them. Seriously. Uh, we hear a lot about the Nikon L35AF. We yep. hear a lot about the Yashica T4. Yep. Let's hear from you guys about other autofocus point and shoots. I have absolutely no experience with this, as I've talked about. Yep. But great tip. I'll tell you something else. Do you know how many times I have found a rock bottom bargain at some yard sale, garage sale, estate sale? You know how many times? How Zero! <laughs> Oh, boy. This never happens to me. And well, it seems that maybe you live just in a better neighborhood than I no, do. No, I'm telling you. What happens is this is what happened before the pandemic, maybe two years before the pandemic. I went to a garage sale, and I bought a couple point-and-shoots, but they had like 20 point-and-shoots for $5 each, and I was not thinking. And they were all like five stylists, and I, I'm just so upset. That stuff, yeah. it's like I just you just got to pick them up and just buy them. Well, all right. Okay. I mean, I'm going to keep looking. But I just, I'm always astounded. Okay, one other thing from the mailbag, okay? Guys, there are a few emails we didn't get to because the email was so prodigious, okay? But I do want to mention one thing that made me really happy this week. Derek Leith wrote in to say, <laughs> Jeff, I have to give a big shout out for mentioning the Alpa 10D that was available at Unique Photo in Philadelphia. I purchased it. That is fantastic. Wow. He heard it on the show first. He heard it on the show and he bought it. That's so and cool. And he bought the matching Kern Switar 1.8 with a hood and a UV filter. He says, dude, I love you. Thanks again. And then he sends a picture of his outfit. I got to tell you. That is a sexy 10D. So And it was cool. well-priced. So you're welcome, Derek. You're <laughs> welcome, Unique Photo. Guys, if you buy something from a seller that we mentioned on the show, tell them about us, please. Please do. Please do. I mean, they are aware of us at Unique Photo because I told them about the show, but that made me really happy. And that brings to a close our prodigious <laughs> mailbag. da 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 da, da. Would you like to talk a little bit about our guest for the back half of today's well, show? Well, here's, I did want to talk about her, but the problem is this. Yes. You pronounced her name so perfectly, I feel like I don't, I don't know where I can go from there. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, just take a beat and I will say it. Okay. Valentine de Villemieux. Look at that. Just. <laughs> Amazing. Well, we're really excited to have her on the show. You know, I had seen her work and it's it's beautiful. She does street photography in a way that reminds me of like Robert Toineau. And I, we can go on and on about the old French photographers. 
but just beautiful, beautiful work and a great person. And we're really, really excited to have her on the show. All right. So coming up after a sexy music cue, Here it comes. our conversation with Valentin de Villemieux. Merveilleux, fantastique. Valentin, welcome. Welcome to I Dream of Cameras. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're excited to have you. We love your work. And if you haven't seen it, we will tell you how to find her website and Instagram at the end of the show. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, tell us uh, where you grew up and, and how did you end up in D Dublin? Uh, well, <laughs> so I'm actually <laughs> French. Uh, so we say Valentine, not... Uh, uh, Valentine. Yeah, we... I can't, Valentine. Valentine, exactly. Valentine. <laughs> oui, oui. Valentine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, without the accent is fine too. You can say Valentine or whatever suits you. So I'm, I'm okay. used to my name being like uh, in every... Butcher. yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so I'm French, but I actually grew up in Belgium because my parents moved there when I was uh, two years old. So I lived in Brussels up until I was uh, 18. Uh, then I moved around a little bit in Europe for my studies. I studied in Holland um, in a small town called Leiden for Europe. I know Leiden. Oh, you do? Really? I've actually been really? there. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, my brother, Keith, who was our graphic designer, mm -hmm. had heart surgery at the university oh. there. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. So I was there for a few weeks. I love nice. that city. Yeah, because not a lot of people know it. So that's why I say Leiden, but probably not. A lot of people know it, so that's really cool that you know it. I'm happy yeah, you can at, yeah. at least point it out on a on a map. Um, yeah. So yeah, I studied there for four years. I did a semester in Geneva as well, and then I finished my master's in Paris. And uh, once I finished my master, I actually went to Milan last year. It was because my husband actually he got a job there, and now we're in Dublin because of him again, uh, because right. of his job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I really like Dublin. It's really nice. The people are amazing and even though it's gray most of the time uh, it's uh it's really nice for street photography so i'm not complaining oh that's that's terrific and and how did you get into photography in the first place did someone hand you a camera you were always interested or? yeah i was always interested so i guess it all started when i was younger you know i would travel a lot with my family on holidays and uh, my dad was kind of sick of me take of me taking his camera all the time so i got my my own at some point uh, so yeah, I guess uh, the passion of travel and uh, and all that mixed together, and I would take a lot of pictures uh, during my travels, and I tried to, over the years, you know, try to implement it in my day to day, because of course we cannot be traveling all the time. I wish, but. <laughs> uh, and what was your dad's camera that you were borrowing? Uh, that was a Minolta Five uh, X Five Hundred. Yeah. So, oh wow! Yeah. Yeah, really cool. Actually, I I was home from uh, university actually, and. Uh, I was just looking in his basement and I, I found this and I was like, oh, can I use it? And so we put a role uh, in it and uh, we played together with the camera. So that was kind of cool. That's how I got into film photography, thanks to him and his uh, camera. And what was it that sort of excited you about film photography as opposed to digital? Uh, well, I guess I, since then, I've always been more interested into film. And what got me interested was really like you know, the, the process. It's a beautiful camera. I mean, uh, it's silver with leather. leather. I mean, it, nothing like the plasticky one, especially that we had in the 2000. Like I used to have a digital right. one. It, it was pink. You know, I was 14. Uh, I wanted a pink camera. But, you know, <laughs> it's nothing the same like as a film camera. It's so beautiful. The the mechanism. I don't know. I was so like curious about it. And, and so I asked them, can we buy a roll of film, you know, and the fact that you pay for your pictures and you have like 36 frames was kind of, yeah, intriguing. So that's how, 
like why I got into this kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah. did you like the slower process or? Oh, yeah, know, did, of course. That, yeah. Yeah. No. yeah, exactly. And um, actually, I, I used it a lot when I was traveling. So I would have my digital camera and, and this camera, uh, this film camera. And, um, you know, I was so scared to use a 36 shot because it is, you know, you have to pay for it and you, you have such limitation with 36 pictures so i would take like my digital camera take a picture and if that one was good i would do it on my film camera but every time uh -huh. i would look at the two i would prefer the the film one so sure yeah, yeah that's why i kind of drifted uh and i feel like now i barely use my digital camera so maybe uh it's a sign that film was more for me from the beginning so that's so great. Did you study photography at university? Uh, yeah. So um, when I was in Leiden, I took classes. Uh, they were actually my favorite ones, uh, but that was not like my my degree. Uh, I did a degree in uh, communication and then a master in marketing. And after my marketing master in Paris, actually, I was like, ah, but photography is my love. I need to, you know, do <laughs> at least do a course, like a, a class would be nice. And I found a... Um, a really good school called, uh, called Speos. Um, they have uh, also a campus in London and it's all in English. And we basically like for a year learned everything about photography and it was really cool. I met a lot of nice people and talk a lot about gears and film and artists. <laughs> Our favorite. Exactly. It was, um, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, a dream. <laughs> Did you ever get into printing your own stuff, developing and printing uh, your own stuff? So they've loved, I tried a class, but black and white, but I mainly shoot color. So for me, yeah. I'm not there yet, but I do have my own dark room at home. Uh, oh, so oh, I do print, I guess it's like less scary because if I mess up the print, I just have to redo the print, but I still have the negative. Uh, so for now I'm, I'm at this stage and it's actually a lot of fun. I really like it. When did you transition from that, I guess, 35 millimeter SLR mm -hmm. to rangefinder cameras? Cause it seems like most of what you use these days is rangefinders, right? Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, I told you like I was kind of trying to, to find a day-to-day -day, uh, project because I love to take pictures while I travel, but you know, when you're in France in middle of January, <laughs> you can't really travel with yes. classes and everything. <laughs> and so I started with my dad's camera and, uh, I also had a Canon AE-1, but you know, the mirror was so noisy that people would hear me. And, and in France, people are mean, like, they're like, why are you taking a picture of me? <laughs> Wait, you know? Yeah, what? really. In the street, in the middle of nowhere, like someone comes, comes up to you, take a picture. They're not happy. So I, was looking at film cameras that make no noise, basically. I, I didn't know what I was looking into, honestly. And so I Googled like uh, cameras, range finders and all that. And of course the top one was Leica. So <laughs> I kind of dreamed for a while to have it before I actually splurged <laughs> and got one. So Which which one did you get first? Uh, the M6 actually. Yay. Yeah. That's the How did you choose that? How was that the one that you alighted on? Uh, well, I guess also I was influenced by everyone on Instagram because it's such a beautiful camera. And um, and what actually made me buy it was, uh, so me and my husband, we put alerts on our phone because he likes looking at cameras with me. He's not a photographer at all, but he likes the gear, I guess. And yeah. it was kind of like, you know, because they go by so fast that we're like, okay, the first one that sees one that's interesting, we send a message and we try to get it, you know. And so I went on uh, Le Bon Coin, which is kind of like the French Craigslist, you know, you can sell whatever, there's mm -hmm. limits to cameras. I, I looked at one and the price was really cheap because the guy was selling three Leica M6 at the same time. Oh my 
gosh. Yeah, and the thing is, <laughs> he was a collectioner, so the camera was was brand new when I got wow. it. Like, I, I'm oh. I brought it with you. It still has. Yeah, let's see it. Let's see it. This one. Oh, it still has. Does it still have? It still wow. has the plastic under, like the plastic. Yeah. I, I never took mine off. Yeah, Beautiful. me too. And and basically, all the scratches and little things that are on it. I made that like no one yes, ever yes. touched this camera before. And um, oh, so great. And so I was really lucky because the guy was selling three and he was collecting them. So he put a really low price compared to what you see now. Um, and so oh, it's I was crazy like, now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And so I was like, OK, I guess I have to buy it, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Did it come with a lens? No, it did not. So I had to buy a lens. And first I bought a 35 millimeter um, Voigtlander. And actually, recently I, I got the 28 millimeter uh, Enmerit. Um I saw that. Yeah. That is a very nice lens. It is. Yeah. And for street photography, that's a little on the wide side for street yeah. photography. Do you like the extra wide? Actually, Lens for um, that? I thought at the beginning I got the 35 because I thought it would be too wide for me. But in Dublin, the streets are very dark and also like it's very narrow at some point at some in some areas. So it's really, really good for that. Like I can get a lot of shades and uh, and people on the side because it's very narrow and crowded. So it's perfect, actually. I really like it. So you Did have you camera. Oh, go, oh, go, go ahead. Gabe. I was just going to say that, you know, with your street photography, and approaching people, like you were saying, mm -hmm. in France, you know, in, in everyone's mind, you know, with Robert Toineau mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, all these photographers are like going, oh, people must love <laughs> having their picture taken in France. I mean, look <laughs> look at all these books. I mean, yeah, everyone's yeah. happy and they, they've got the, the kids have the baguettes in their arms. And <laughs> like everyone's running around. You're going, this is fantastic. So are you saying that it's not exactly like that? <laughs> well, I mean... Of course, like most of the time, people don't care and you take a picture, like it's whatever, they continue their life. But right. I, I've had a few times, actually, the only times where people stopped me in the street saying, are you taking a picture of me? It was in France. So maybe I'm the only lucky one, you know. <laughs> but um, actually, there's a picture I took. Uh, I still need to uh, to scan it. But <laughs> the guy was looking at some random thing with like binoculars. And he was looking so funny that I took a picture of him and he was like shouting at me saying, you don't have the right to take pictures uh, of me. And I was like, sorry, it's a film uh, camera. I won't use it, you know, but I'm still thinking it's a good picture. So. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, yeah. Do you get intimidated shooting on the street at all? This um, is We talk about this with street mm -hmm. photographers because I can't even imagine what well, that feels like. Well, at the beginning, uh, I mean, honestly, like the picture I did at the beginning were really bad because I was so scared of people, you know, so <laughs> I, my heart was pounding. I think I was shaking too much. And so I was really bad. Like I would take pictures of people from too far away. So it was not interesting. I feel also the fact that I moved to another city. For example, I was in Milan a, a year ago and um, I don't speak the language. I, I don't know the people that crosses me in the street. So I'm kind of like, whatever, I don't care. And, you know, it allowed me to really, yeah, go closer to people, not feel as, as scared. And so now I feel like I'm getting the hang of it. So it works with habits, but it right. was at the beginning, it was right. very scary. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering if you've got these, now you probably have these instincts, you could sort of tell the personalities yeah like when you when you approach someone you can tell if someone's going to be angry or not it's very interesting yeah yeah that's true and uh actually there's a lot of people that i see they're interesting and then i'm like if i approach them they're probably going to do this or that so maybe not <laughs> um right so, right right 
Yeah. And how did you start with, how did you start with street photography? Like where did that come? Did you try portrait? Did you try different? Um, No, I guess I always kind of did it. Um, So I guess I did it a lot, you know, when I was traveling, you know, you take pictures of uh, landscape of people around you. And um, actually when I moved to Paris is when I really started doing this because Paris is so interesting. You know, there's a lot of movement. You can do a lot of things. And um, I started before with my phone on the metro um, because I was going to school and I was I had like 45 minutes, you know, of a metro. So I thought, why not take pictures? But, you know, because there's so many people in it. If you take your camera, they're going to see you. So I started my phone and I have really nice pictures of the metro. And I thought, why not take it outside of the metro and really try to to shoot people so that's kind of how it went and then I continued with my my school you know because we had like classes and everything learning of different techniques of even studio like I specialize in still life actually so I was always in a studio uh, during my classes but every weekend or every time I had a free moment I would take my camera and go shoot street like I guess that was my first love you know and uh, now I'm dedicated to it (laughs) Oh, that's great. Did you find that shooting with the rangefinder trained your eye differently than when you were shooting with the SLR, not only because of the loudness, yeah. but also because of just your relation to your subject? Was it different and how? Oh, good question. Um, yeah, I feel like it helped me because I, I think it also when I was shooting a SLR, I was still learning and I guess this uh, camera that I have now, it's, it's been the longest that I've been shooting with. So I know it by heart right now. So, And I know how I work towards my, my subject. And so sometimes I don't even look what I'm doing. I just don't have time to bring it to my eye and I just shoot. And I guess it's more this relationship that I have with it. Like I know it by heart. I can, without looking, knowing uh, which way I can open the aperture or like change the speed and focus as well. So I would say it's more this. Um, yeah. What is your favorite film stock to shoot in that camera? Oh, <laughs> I'm going to sound pretty basic, I guess, but Portra 400. Um, I really like yeah, it. We love it. Nobody doesn't like that. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a fantastic yeah. choice. It's really expensive these yeah, days. Sadly, the yeah, sadly. Sometimes when I'm on holidays or like if it's just for fun, that I take pictures, like no real subjects, uh, I shoot Ultra Max 400, but it's been out of stock for ages now. So Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I find that I'm experimenting with a lot of different color stocks yeah, these days because a lot of them are in short supply. And yeah, and Portra is like, it's up to 15 or 20 bucks a roll. Yeah, it's here. gotten crazy. Yeah, here as well. And that that's a lot. That's a lot, especially if you're not processing your own stuff. Mm. And so there's going to be that expense on top of yeah. it. Do you have a lab you like locally that does your stuff? Uh, yeah, well, the problem with Dublin is that there's not that many. There's actually only two. <laughs> So, um, oh, wow. yeah, um, so I go to one that, that's called Kant's camera, uh, which is really quick, but I, I don't ask them to scan. I scan myself uh, because that's, oh. yeah, it's an expense as well. Uh, that's less, you know, so that's why I do it myself. Right. So it helps. Yeah. And I like the... F- How do you do it? I, I just have a flatbed. I have an Epson uh, V something, V800. Yeah, yes, and right. the one we all yeah, have. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But because I also shoot a large format and um, back in Paris when I bought it, they didn't like they, they develop, but they don't uh, scan large format. So I needed an option, you know, to 
to scan right. that. So that's why I bought it. And since then, I've been scanning my own film, and it's really cool, actually. It takes a, some time, so you do have to have like a an hour or two in front of you, but I like it. Now, now, what other cameras do you love shooting? Did you just mention large format? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we didn't we didn't know about. Can that. you tell yeah. us about what camera? Uh, it's a um, Kembo. <laughs> Kembo 4x5 I don't really know the number I don't remember but um, I basically in my school we used to train a lot as well uh, with this camera it's basically the same that I got from school like I bought the same model because I really like the right. functionality and uh, we learn on this one so it was useful to to keep the same um, and yeah so I shoot some portraits and uh, some landscape actually now that I'm back that I'm here I'm really excited to go like in um, in the west of Ireland uh, and shoot some landscape. I think it will be really beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah I don't know how you got... Uh, I'm still getting over the fear of actually... <laughs> in fact, I am doing this because I was all committed to do this large format thing. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were doing that today, Gabe. <clears throat> yes, and I did not. Um, <laughs> because play, we're doing yeah, this. Played hooky. This is, yeah, yeah, I'm we're playing hooky. We're doing this. Yeah, well, basically, um, you got Gabe out of this. Yes, he was supposed to go uh, to a large format seminar and today. I was, so, <laughs> I was so excited to get together with these people who were going to show me finally how to use my large format camera because I'm too chicken. And <laughs> I'm always, my, the fear is this. I'm going to load the 4x5 in the holder is wrong and i'm always so i already defeat you know i've already beaten myself up before i've done anything so um i'm very excited to hear yeah. that someone else is actually doing it well I'm very happy i've ruined a couple of the film as well and uh, you learn you, know, you get over it right yeah you yeah, get over so it and some are blurry some are like not straight when you <laughs> oh, spend like 20 minutes <laughs> it's very complicated but very fun it is it is really now, you also have an M3, it appears. I do. <laughs> oh, boy. What happened there? What's going on there? Well, so I had my M6 for about a year, and I still love cameras. Like, I guess it's a problem with everyone. You know, you have an addiction. Once you have one, you have to have another. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, um, yes. And so... Do you have a lot? Because these, because I only knew about those two. I didn't even know you had large format. How many cameras do you have right I mean, now? The ones I used are in total because... In total. Oh, no, in total. We're not talking about what okay, you use. Okay. Um, so I have the M6, I have the M3, I have a Leica 3, I have a Shika, I have uh, my dad's camera, the Minolta, I have the Canon A1, I have... Um, I told my Ashika, yeah, I found a one at Goodwill. I was actually when I was in Chicago on holiday, I found one like for nine dollars. It was like a pointed shoot camera in Nikon, something like well, AX nice. thirty-five or whatever. Yeah, oh yeah, and, that's oh, a yeah. great camera. Yeah. yeah, really, really happy I got it for this cheap. So that's, that's a, great. Okay, nice. good. A burgeoning collection. Yes. I like and and wow. the last okay. one, the last one is my. I just got it from my my grandpa. Recently passed away, and he got he his grandpa. I uh, had a, a pocket Kodak camera from like the 1900s. And so I have it as wow. well. So, yeah. Oh, that's great. Are you going to try and shoot with that? Yeah, I am. I, yeah, I really want to get the film sorted. So uh, on my next order, <laughs> I will uh, get one. Yeah. For sure. Okay. So how did the M3 come into your life? Yes. So, um, so I had my M6 for about a year and um, I was still looking at what they had online basically. <laughs> and, you know, because this camera is so brand new, sometimes like if I go, for example, I, I went to Napoli 
you know, I was so scared that, you know, people would see it, try to steal it or whatever. And I thought maybe if I get an M3, it's still like under the radar because you don't have the red dot. It's uh, <laughs> trying to convince myself, you know, I need oh, yeah, it. Of course. <laughs> yeah. We yeah, all have these that problems. was good. Yeah, yeah, that was good. And um, and I actually found one for quite cheap because, you know, it's a double stroke. So it's not like as recent. And um, I really like it because it's Kind, kind of bulky you know like the back the paint is coming off uh, it's really rust like it's not rusty but like you know it's a it's been used like it's I really well like... used well used exactly yeah. and uh, we really got a good deal on this as well uh, so i'm really happy and uh, yeah and i like the fact that i can ha i mean it's an again another excuse for myself but like that i can have my um m6 on one side with like a 35 or 28 millimeter uh lens and then on the other side i can have my m3 with a 50 you know like i can change smart exactly. oh, that's great. Yeah. i also like that idea because otherwise you spend your time changing film and if i want to shoot yeah. black and white i can have it like on my m3 and then have color on the other one you know it's just for mixing uh things up basically now you must have a camera bag this is yes. a big discussion. This is a big discussion on the show because Jeff has too many camera bags. <laughs> I have. Uh, I don't one. believe in camera bags. <laughs> I know that you have a Billingham bag. Yes, I do. How about that? How do you know? Oh, that's great. Let me see. Did I like a... There was a French language interview with you ah, called yes. What's in Your ah, Bag? Yeah. And oh. I found it online and it outlined Love all of that. your equipment. So I knew this oh, topic was going great. to come up. That's yes. great. Why don't you and Gabe talk bags for a second? <laughs> sure. Um, so I have an issue, just so you know. You have I have an bags? issue. <laughs> I have a lot of bags, and I can never find the perfect one, but that's all in my head. Like, I'll get a bag, and I'll see someone with the bag go, oh, my God, that's the greatest bag I've ever seen. I have to have that bag. And then I get it, and I go, oh, it's not so good. But, yeah, <laughs> that closet back there is filled with bags. Really? And when well. I mean filled, it's filled. Yeah. yeah. Like, like a hundred of them. Really? I have a lot it's of bags. not like three or four. <laughs> it's like a hundred. No, three or four. No, I probably have a good 40 bags or 50 wow. bags. Okay. Maybe somewhere in that world. But um, yeah. I used to have the Ona bag, which I really loved. And I carried with me all the time. But now I have too much cameras. So I needed like a, a, bi a bit of a bigger one. Yeah. And actually, exactly. I'm dreaming. I've been dreaming to get a Billingham for a while and I didn't really like the color and now they came up with the blue one and I was like, okay, that's yeah. funny. <laughs> so, that's a yeah, great Yeah, I saw bag. it. It looked very pretty. Yeah, it looked it very that's pretty a beautiful and bag. kind of stealthy. It doesn't announce that it's a camera bag. It just looks like a really pretty <laughs> shoulder bag. Exactly, so yeah. I get you. I'm never going to buy one. You're never going to convince <laughs> really? me. That oh, yes. Oh, yes. No. One no, day. you're never going to convince me. One day. Uh, let me ask you this also. Are you, I was looking at your website and all of this beautiful street photography. Are you working up toward a show or a book? Like, do you think in terms of some sort of culminating yeah. project mm -hmm. that this would amount to? What, what are you thinking about? Well, in the long, long term, I would love to do a book. Um, I'm thinking as well because I've been to Paris. I go back to Paris quite often uh, to see my family and friends. Uh, I've been to Milan and now I'm in Dublin. Who knows? where else after but maybe it would be cool to have like small zines at first of like all the cities and maybe do a whole book later i have no idea but it is in my head like somewhere and um i'm thinking to do this maybe in a few years uh right now i do have some exhibition 
I, uh, I recently had actually one in Paris and in Brussels and Great. hopefully wow. soon again in Brussels. It's kind of in the works right now, so nothing planned. Um, and I was selected actually for one picture um, in Greece. So fantastic. Yeah, it's oh, really that's nice. really great. Yeah. How do you organize pictures for a show? How do you select and sequence? <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> what, what, are you telling a story? Yeah, I'm really curious about this because um, I've never done this. Yeah, so I'm, I mean, it depends on everyone and their work. I mean, you can do something that would totally work and I would do it and it would not. So it's very personal and depending on the work as well you want to show. But personally, I know that street photography, usually you can do just one picture and this one is good and the story is within that image and you're good to go. But for me personally, I really like to tell a story. So if one picture is nice, okay, great, I'll, I'll keep it. But how does this one works with the other ones? You know, like that's basically what I want to do. Uh, that's why I'm thinking a book would be nice, but in a few years, cause I'm very picky. That's kind of a, a problem because I'm, <laughs> I'm like, they need to speak to each other. Like either, either it's like a, just color, you know, a, it has orange in this one and it goes to red on the other. I don't know, something as simple as this, or it can be, for example, I did a series on, um, in Milan and I, I tried to put kind of a diptych, you know, like, uh, they talk to each other. So it's two by two. Yeah. And so that's kind of like how I do things. Uh, I try to make the picture speak together basically. Um, what do you have your eye on next as a camera? Cause I know if you're anything like us, we might always look. Yeah, I'm always. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, so for a while, I didn't pick up my Yashica. And now that I'm in Dublin, because, you know, you have a lot of nature and everything, I've been picking up a lot. And I'm thinking maybe... Is it a TLR? What kind of camera it's, is that? Yeah, it's the Yashica uh, Mat LM, something like this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are yeah, great. Yeah, it's really nice, but I've been... So two and a quarter. Yeah, so the, the Yashica Mat LM, um, I've been really loving it but i was thinking maybe it would be nice to have like a mamiya 7 or something you know because you don't have to look waist down but the prices have been like going up the mamiya 7 yeah. let me tell you something so is the we'll that see. is one of the cameras i really regret that i sold and really? i don't sell i mean look we've had whole shows with jeff trying to get me to <laughs> sort of narrow down my collection which is good there's going to be another it. one coming up it's so hard yes. for me but that me i had a mamiya 7 too it's like a giant Leica. Mm -hmm. It is, the images are great. I had this crazy close-up attachment, which I've just given away to someone who has the camera. And I love that camera. I just, I you know, when I gave it away, it's a very light. It's very light, but That's it's why beautiful. Well. Yeah, because my, yeah. It, yeah. I'm, I'm tiny, you know, like it, it's, uh, it's too heavy for me. Um, right. I carry it a lot on hikes, but then I'm at the end of the day, I'm like always, you know, like, oh, it's so heavy. <laughs> my back. So, yeah, right? exactly. So. Uh, I've been trying to to see if there's a good deal online, but the prices. I mean, for now, I'm like sticking to my Yashica because it's uh, it, it's too expensive, really. But I do like my my Yashica, so I would be sad to like not use it as much, or I will never get rid of it because it was a present right. from my parents uh, when I graduated, actually. So it has like a sentimental value as well. But I was thinking, yeah, for trips and stuff like this, it would be really useful. But we'll see. Maybe in a few years or. I guess it will be worse, so maybe not, but <laughs> I'm trying to oh, convince myself I know. You never that know. I don't need it. That's the problem. Yeah. It, it it doesn't seem like the prices on any of these desirable cameras are going down. Yeah, no. for sure. 
even like pack film cameras, like I oh, love yeah. pack film, Polaroid pack film. You'd think that the prices on like a Polaroid 180 or 195 or would the Kodak recorder, yeah. you'd think those would go down because the film is not being made anymore, but they're not. Yeah, exactly. It's it's crazy. I don't know. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. What about, uh, are there any um, places in Dublin that you're able to hunt around like antique stores or are there any, is it the, what's the well, atmosphere like for the used market? It's kind of sad, actually. <laughs> uh, no, oh, but no. Um, so I mean, I've only been here like five months. So hopefully, someone can prove me wrong and uh, can tell me that there's a lot more. Uh, actually, that would right. be great. <laughs> uh, but there's not really a market. I mean, a lot of people buy on eBay, basically. Um, and there right. has been like a few Facebook groups now that sell used gear. But it's not only related to like photography; it can also be like uh, for printing and stuff. So it's still. I mean, it's still related to photography, not just cameras. And so it works like this, like just eBay, word right. of mouth or Facebook market, I guess. But there's not really yeah, like a great. store or an online uh, Do they website. have flea markets or anything like that? Or um, Probably. I haven't checked that yet. It's been on my list to do. That um, might be fun. Yeah. yeah, it would be really fun, especially if you find like cool cameras. But um, I haven't done that, actually. That would be really nice to do. Yeah, I was going to ask, have you been able, and you said you've only been in the city five months, but have you been able to find a community of other photographers that share yes, your interests? Yes, actually, yeah, I'm really happy. Uh, so there's a, a guy, he's from uh, Quebec, and he, he created during COVID a, a group called uh, Ireland Analog, which specializes oh, wow. in, in film photography. But of course, like if you don't shoot film, you can still come. I mean, it's really welcoming uh, a group. And every month, basically, they organize a walk. And so next Saturday, actually, they have another one and it's all around Dublin. So you we can go like near the Great. sea, we can go hiking or just like shoot streets in Dublin. Um, it's really nice. And we always have like a, a beer at, a, after. So <laughs> it's always fun. Oh, that's great. So, yeah, I'm really happy. Uh, I've been to to one so far and uh, I've met a lot of photographers. So I'm really happy. Uh, at least that's really positive because we talk about gear all the time and it's really nice. That's so That's great because we have, you know, beers and cameras out here, which is a meetup group and they have them uh, all the time. And we love going because it's just, you know, when you're with like minded, you know, yeah, gear exactly. geeks and film geeks, it's just so fun to, you know, talk about everything and share cameras. Yeah. And Plus sometimes it's we great. exchange cameras like a. Uh, um, there's a guy, he, he likes to do pinholes cameras. And so we, he, mm -hmm. he took pictures and a lot of people were trying as well at the next walk. So really, you can also try some things. There's a guy also, he works for university and he's like working for the chemistry department. So he has like a lab basically. So he, right. he knows a lot of stuff. So if you have a question like for which uh, chemical to use to develop, he knows, you know, it's really nice. Oh, that's great. That's a really helpful. Of, uh, yeah, really positive. I really like it. I love it. Now, will you tell everyone where they can find you? <laughs> of course. As in, yes. Um, so my website is valentinedevilmer.com. And uh, on Instagram, it's under uh, Fragmented Street. Okay, great. Well, you're amazing. We <laughs> love you. your work. Everybody, so absolutely check out her website. Check out the Instagram. It's excellent street photography. Like, you're my role model in terms of, like, <laughs> Thank you very the much. kind of cool stuff that you're getting. <laughs> and you have and stuff. You can buy gosh. some prints there. 
you right? Summer That's for right. Sale. Yeah, yeah, I do. That's and um, finger crossed, uh, I'm planning to add very soon some new prints. So you can check it oh, out great. in a few, few days or few weeks. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> but hopefully oh, very we'll soon. We'll definitely be checking it out. It's so exciting. All right. We will link to your website and Instagram in our show notes. But uh, yeah, urge everybody to check out Valentine's <laughs> work. Uh, perhaps by the end of this half hour, I will have mastered pronouncing your name. <laughs> no problem. You can say Valentine if it's easier, actually. Really, I don't want to. Okay. I want to. I want to say it properly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Excellent. Thanks so much. Thanks Thank you so for much. having me. I had a lot of uh, fun talking about cameras. Thank you. And we're back. Oh, so good. What a great great conversation i love her enthusiasm i love her story please do go and check out valentine's work yes. she's fragmented street on instagram okay and you will have just heard all the other ways to see her excellent work i'll tell you something else guys we're going to put this out there we have a couple of interviews banked that you will be hearing over the next few episodes but if you have somebody who you are dying to have us interviewed hook a brother up exactly let us know. Tell them about us and tell us about them and let's make it happen because we love these conversations. Yep. We got such an extraordinary response to the Sissy Lou conversation, these other things. We just we want to make it a regular part of the show. So thanks for that. Gabe, we're going to wrap this one up. Yep. Any final thoughts before we depart? I am now gearing up to shoot more film photography. I mean, I'm really, it's one of those things that it's just when I was sick for that brief moment of time, it just sucked the energy out of me. And I just, you know, now I'm all excited and I'm sort of falling in love with my cameras again and going, I have to shoot maybe the Leicaflex. What? Maybe I can shoot. I'm going to, of course, shoot my new Olympus, but I now want to shoot the Hasselblad. It's like, great. I'm, I'll, I'll be out there. So those are my final th shots. Th my shots i'm gonna say thoughts well shots are okay. shots and thoughts mixed together and so thoughts. there you go as usual friends you can email us at idreamofcameras at gmail.com we love hearing from you okay if your email did not get read this week it is because we had such a prodigious mailbag you will hear it in our next episode you may also go to idreamofcameras.com for all of your needs all the episodes are there and there is tons of sexy merch including a new design by the way Oh, yes. Based on, can I say what it's based <laughs> you on? You can say it's just say based it. on a fancy, fancy camera company that rhymes with Bica. Right. <laughs> and Gabe got a shirt from this Bica store. Yes, from Fred In Corey. a French city that right. rhymes with Maris. Right. And based on that design, Keith Greenstein, who is responsible for our visual look, did a replica, which I have already ordered so good shouts out by dream of cameras check it out it's very good we also got to thank who else do we always thank we have to thank fred Corey for the amazing music and sound bites and all those fun things you bet. and keith greenstein for absolutely all the looks and all these every time we have an idea in like two seconds he, he sends us something back it's so great and we really appreciate it so thank you keith yes follow us on the instagram i dream of cameras gabe gabe Sachs, me s jeff greenstein that concludes episode 33. Yes, it does. Walk us out of here, Gabe. I just want to say one thing to all our film investigators. Find out what's going on with Portra 400. That's the assignment. Get out there. 
make some calls. Let's find out what's really going on with that film, because you can't find it. All right, gang. Dun, dun, uh, <laughs> get to work, gang. It's a dramatic ending. We love you all. Yes. We will see you next time.